Father, we stretch our hands to thee. There's no other help that we know. If you withdraw your hands from me, from any of us, we have nowhere to go. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed us until we hunger no more. My prayer remains the same. I decrease that you may increase. I take a step back, Lord, that you may take a step forward. Speak to us where we need you most. Open our ears. Get our attentions. Allow us, Lord, to surrender our will and to submit to your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to call your attention to uh, Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. On last week, um, we had a wonderful time in worship. Amen? I said on last week, we had a wonderful time in worship. Amen? I know that we did not have worship today and everything is by design. Um, we will um, have more worship and more time of worship. Um, but we just wanted to take a, a few minutes today. I wanted to take a few minutes today to make sure that we laid the foundation uh, to this series. Uh, it was very important that we do such because if you do not get the foundation of this series, nothing we say beyond this time you will receive or be able to build upon. And so as much as I wanted to move on to another message, as much as I wanted to move on to talk about some other things that I'm really excited about in this series, uh, the Lord uh, compelled me to return to Exodus 23 because there's some things in this text that we have to review, come back and acknowledge because this is the foundation of, of this series, our series, uh, Increase. Exodus uh, chapter 23. There were some of you who prayed, and when you prayed and you submitted your prayer request, you, you left your name on uh, your prayer card, and you already know, so I spent time all last week praying individually over those cards. And then by uh, early this weekend, I uh, shared it with one of my uh, team leads of our prayer ministry, and she helped um, me to write uh, those uh, responses to those of you who I knew I was responding to. But for the rest of you, do not fret. I made sure uh, that I touched and I agreed and I spent time praying over your cause, and, uh, and I will continue to touch and agree with those prayer requests. Amen? Are y'all ready for God's word? Yes. Are y'all ready for God's word? Yes. Follow me, if you will. Beginning at verse 20, you'll find words similar to these. It says, I am going to send an angel in front of you 
to guard you on the way and to bring you to a place that I have prepared for you. Be attentive to him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you listen attentively to his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. Y'all missing y'all shout. It says in verse 23, when my angel goes in front of you and brings you to the Amorites, enemies, he starts to specify the enemies, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and those darn Jebusites. And I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods. You shall not bow down to the things that are stressing you and worrying you. Shall not worship your worries. Don't bow down to the illness. I don't want you to worship the very thing that I'm asking you to destroy. He says, I don't want you to worship them or even if you don't worship them, you can still follow their practices. I don't want you to worship them. I don't want you to follow their practices, but you shall utterly demolish them. Not just demolish or destroy them, but I want you to utterly destroy the things that are keeping you bound in 2019. The thing that you brought from 2018, I need you to get rid of it. But I don't want you to get rid of it for the first two weeks or three weeks so that it can come back and meet you in February and y'all be best friends all through the rest of the year. And then 2020 come, you say, I'm going to leave that thing alone. You know, that same, he says, no, this is what God says. Pay attention to the word, not to me, but to the word. He says, but you shall utterly demolish everything that's keeping you bound. And as a matter of fact, the best way you can destroy the thing that's keeping you bound, you have to break their pillars in pieces. You got to find what is it that's keeping you bound. Perhaps it's, it's, it's worry, but what is keeping you worry? What's the reason that you're worrying and you need to attack that very thing? Is it trust? Is it lack of faith? Is it insecurities? What is it? But I need you to demolish the pillars in which your idols stand. That person, your former boo, the one that has all your attention, that keeps you on social media. Don't destroy him. I'm not asking you to do that. <laughs> but the fact that you're worshiping, why are you, what do you mean worshiping? You're, you're surrendering, you're bowing down. This is who you're giving your time and your attention to. It says that you need to break their pillars because I don't need you to worship anything. But not only do I not, you, not want you to worship those things, he says in verse 25, what I really would like for you to do is worship the Lord your God. I want you to worship me. Worship me. And he says, and I will bless if you just worship me. This is him. This is God creating a covenant 
a conditional covenant with his people. He's creating a covenant because he's saying, if you can do this, then I will do this. If you would just worship me, not worship your problems and me because both of us can't fit in the same space. But I need you to stop worshiping this and I need you to start worshiping me. And if you would just worship me, if you would just focus on me, then I will bless your bread and your water. You're about to miss your shout. But then for those of us who have been to the hospital and to the doctor and the prescription meds and all the things that's keeping you underneath, he says, I have something for you too. If you would just worship me. If you would just worship me, Isaac, don't worry about that because what I will do, because this is what his Bible says, this is God's promise. He says, I will take sickness away from among you. If you would just worship me. What is that thing that you're worshiping? He says, I want you to break the pillars in which they stand so that you will not come back to them because sometimes you have to burn the bridge because you don't have enough sense not to go back over it, but you got to burn the bridge so that when you have that late night urge, the number ain't in your phone. Are y'all ain't going to talk to me? Because we got company, we got company here. Y'all want to act real nice and real cute in 2019. But I told you in 2016 that you can't kick the habit if you keep the, name, the number of your supplier. I'll keep on, I'll keep on, keep on. Y'all, y'all, all right, let's just focus, focus. But there's more, there's more, there's more to the covenant that God is creating with the people. He says, if you would just worship me. I'm preaching already. I hope y'all not waiting for me to finish the reading. The, I'm preaching already. It says in verse 26, not only will I take sickness from among you, disease from among you, addiction from among you. He says that no one, he didn't say some people. He didn't say other people. He says no one shall miscarry. My Bible says miscarry. Nobody shall have a miscarriage of the blessings that I have for them. No one shall miscarry or be barren in your land. What do you mean your land? Because God had given the people a land. This land that I'm giving you is your land. If you would just worship me, if you would just focus on me and nothing else. The reason why you lose their career is because you're worshiping the career and not me. Reason why you lose the marriage is because you're worshiping the marriage and not me. The family and not me. The material possessions and not me. He says, but if you would just worship me, the blessing that I deposit on the inside of you, no one shall fumble it. Nobody shall miscarry it. Nobody can take it away because what I have for you, if you would just worship me, I promise you'll give birth to it. He says, I will fulfill the number of your days. Then he goes on to say, I will send my terror in front of you and I will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. You don't have to fight the battle. I'll fight it for you. And he says, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and I will send the pestilence in front of you, which shall drive out. Look at the text, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites 
and the Hittites from from among you. And when I was reading this, I was like, hold on. Lord, you said in verse 28, and I will send a pestilence in front of you, which shall drive out all the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from among you. But when you read up here and you told me in verse 23, I read the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. You missed a few people. <laughs> Don't, I mean, are we looking at the same Bible here? I'm reading my Bible, and he says, and, and, and I will take the Hivites, I will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from among you. I'm like, hold on, but we still got some enemies and some giants and some people on my job. Lord, I need you to handle. What you mean? You, I mean, you, uh, let, me, let me help God. Let me remind God because God needs my help. Lord, I... Uh, I still got some enemies in my territory, and I thought you said that you'll drive out and take care of everything in my life. Why am, why am I still struggling, Lord? I've been praying for my ex. <clears throat> I've been praying for that person who did harm against me, Lord. I've been praying, Lord, you're supposed to handle them. This is what my Bible says. This is why you have to keep on reading. Look at somebody and say, keep reading. Look at somebody else and say, keep reading. Because what we do is we read until we find what we want to find, and then that's good enough for us. But you got to keep on reading. The Bible says in verse 29, I will not drive them out from before you in one year. Hold on, God. See, now you was tripping. Like the first half of what you were talking about, I can get with. Like, you know, I mean, when you told me you would take care of everything, when you told me you'll fight for me, when you told me you'll go before me, you'll send the pet. Look, look, I was with that. But what are you talking about that you're not going to handle this in one year, in one day, in one week, in one prayer? You mean to tell me I, I can't pray one time and then everything is going to be okay? I'm still struggling. I'm st- I need help. I got this addiction. I got this person. I got this sickness. Lord, it's a thorn in my side. I thought you said you would heal me. I'm trying to talk to somebody who, who, who know what it's like to struggle. He says, I will not drive. Is this, this is a word. This is a word. It preaches itself. It says, I will not drive them out from before you in one year. We got to trust God. We got to keep on reading. We got to keep on reading. We got to keep on reading. Or the land would become desolate. If I get rid of all of those things that you think you need to be taking away, if I took away all of the pain, if I took away all of the people who got on your nerves, if I took all of the things out of your life that keep you on your knees praying to me, my Bible says the land that I blessed you with, Everything that I had given you, everything that I, is right here on your doorstep, it would, it would become desolate. The animals that I've given you, all of the blessings that you have in your life, if I take away everything that keeps you on your knees and coming back to me, if I remove all of those things, guess what those animals, those blessings will do? My Bible says they will multiply against you. If you read another translation, it says they will, they will add up against you. They will threaten you. In other words, when you look at the original translation, it says they will kill you. They will take your life. You mean the blessing that you gave me? If you removed everything and gave me all the things that I think that I want, the thing that you blessed me with can kill me? That doesn't sound right, Lord. 
How can my blessing work against me? Keep on reading. He'll tell me. Verse 30. Little by little. This is what God says because we got to keep on reading. I don't like the little by little part. I don't like not in one year part. But my Bible says little by little because God is more wise than Isaac. I know you're struggling. I know you've been praying for years. I know you've been having that thorn in your flesh that you just can't seem to shake. He says, but little by little, I will drive them out from before you. Who is them? The Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. I will drive them out before you. And look at that conjunction. Look at that word, the operative word. It says, until you have increased. Look at somebody and say, you got to increase. I know you say, no, you have to increase. No, I say, you got to increase. Look at somebody and say, you got to increase. He says, little by little, I will drive out from among you those things that are in your, that thorn in your flesh, the things that you're struggling with. You know, you've been praying for your family and your family is still dysfunctional. The Lord is saying, but I'm, I'm going to keep driving out the things that are, that are plaguing you little by little until you have increased. And when you increase, then you'll be able to possess a land. Then I will remove everything from you and all of God's people said together, amen. amen. When your blessing becomes a curse, when your blessing becomes a curse, I know it'll make you sneeze. I know, I know, I know, I know. Bless you. When your blessing somehow, someway, the very thing that God gave you that has your name on it, that has your fingerprint on it, the thing that was tailored for you. I know, I know. I know. The blessing that God gave you. We preach it. We tell you all day, oh, what God has for you is for you. Ah, Get your name on it. If you just praise, it'll come down and the Lord will bless you. He has a storehouse filled with blessings, and they have your name on it. But when you get those blessings, and somehow the very thing you've been praying to God for, you've been pleading to God to give you, Lord, give me more. And when those things, those very things, Lord, give me a husband. Lord, I'm ready for a wife. And when you get that thing, that person you've been praying for, and somehow that blessing feels and looks like a curse. The people of God in this text today had recently been rescued from slavery in Egypt. Right? You know the story, but everybody does it. So I need to give you the context so you will understand what's going on in the today's text. And you can study it on your own time. But they had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. And 
they had been traveling through the wilderness en route to Canaan, Canaan, Canaan. This is the land that God had promised to them. The land that he said, when you get to this land, you have to worry no more. Everything that you want and you need, it's overflowing in Canaan. So they left Egypt on their way to this place called Canaan. But they had to come to a pit stop. They didn't plan for it, but God did. They came to a pivotal point in their journey where they had to stop at a mountain called Mount Sinai. And so they stop. They stop at this mountain, Mount Sinai, because God needed to prepare them. Everybody say prepare. God needed to prepare them for the new season that they were about to enter into because God knew that the worst thing you can do is arrive to your destiny underdeveloped. And so he didn't want them to arrive to their destiny underdeveloped, so he wanted to make sure that he stopped right there in the center before they get to Canaan, and he wanted to talk to them. He wanted instructions. He wanted to make sure that they were equipped to go into the new season so that when they get into the new season and they have the blessings that God had given them, they will not forfeit. They will not miscarry. They will not be barren. He wanted to talk to them. And so at Mount, Carm- at Mount Sinai is where God shows himself first to Moses and then to God's people. He first requires Moses to come to the top of the mountain where he is at. And while Moses was at the top of the mountain, he required all of the people. They stayed down at the very bottom of the mountain because they knew that Moses was going to the top of the mountain to get a word from the Lord. And he would come back down and share what God had to say to them. Moses was at the top of the mountain. And God was talking to Moses. But then God wanted him to do, God said, you know what? They're not going to believe you. They're not going to take you serious until they have an encounter with me. So I want you to go back to the bottom of the mountain, Moses. And I want you to consecrate the people so that they can prepare themselves so that they can have an encounter with me. So Moses, go back down to the bottom of the mountain. He makes sure that he consecrates the people. The people wash all their clothes. They're preparing themselves so that they can be in God's presence. The Bible says, all of a sudden, Lightning and thunder begins to roar. This cloud begins to cover the mountain. There's trumpets beginning to sound. The trumpets were so loud that the entire mountain began to shake. And all of a sudden, there's this flame of fire that descends upon the mountain. The entire mountain is in smoke. God begins to reveal himself to the people. The people come out of their tents, and now they begin to be in the presence of this cloud. And then Moses begins to talk to God, and then God begins to respond to Moses through thunder and through lightning. I could only imagine what that experience was like. They're in the presence of God. They prepared themselves to be in the presence of God. Then after that encounter, God ascends back to the top of the mountain. Then Moses has to go back to the top of the mountain to receive more instructions for God's people. And so while he's at the top of the mountain, God begins to give Moses this prophecy. God begins to give Moses this covenant. God begins to give Moses instructions for the people so that they will execute their promise. And so he goes back down to relay the message so that the people of God can conquer their promise. 
And so he heads back down to the bottom of this. Are y'all listening to me? He heads back down to the bottom of this mountain. He knows that people are going to listen to them. So, so he gives them the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. He begins to share with them all these things. But then he begins to share with them something that they were waiting on. Instructions on how to conquer your promise. And so he says, listen, y'all got to listen to this because God has given me some instructions on how you will conquer your promise. And then he begins to talk to them. He says, listen, God is going to send before us an angel. Y'all can't do like you do before. If God didn't show up, if you don't see God, and if God didn't talk to you, then you won't listen to his representative. He says, no, I got you to pay attention. You need to pay attention. He begins to go through everything and tell him everything that we just read. Moses is prophesying to the people on what they need to do so that when they get to the promised land, they will not miscarry. But then I'm looking at these enemies because he started calling out the enemies. He said the Amorites. And when you look at the Amorites, the Amorites were the the giants, they were the last remaining remnant of the giants who lived in the mountains. They didn't come down out of the mountains. They only lived in the mountain region. And these were giants and they would wait to obstruct your way if you ever need to go through the mountain region. The giants, the Amorites. Talked about the Hivites, the, the, the Amorites and the Hivites were the giants who would stay up in the mountain, up in the mountain regions. But then the Perizzites. The Perizzites were the people, were the enemies. They were the enemies who dwelled in fertile land. I think y'all missed it. The Perizzites were the enemies who dwelled in the fertile land. They only wanted to occupy any space that was fertile. Any space that had possibilities for growth, the Perizzites needed to occupy that space. The Perizzites needed to occupy any space in your life. I mean, in the text. If there was any possibility for growth, any fertile land in that area of your, I mean, the text is life. What the Perizzites would do, they would make sure, they don't want to know about anything else. They have only one goal, is to occupy the territory that had possibilities for growth. The Perizzites, fertile land. If it's fertile, and if it's, if, if it's possibilities for growth, the Perizzites needed to be there. But then I'm looking at the Canaanites. The Canaanites, they were the, the merchants. They were the traders. They were the ones who were business savvy. These enemies, they were the enemies of finance. I'll say that again. The Canaanites were the merchants. They were business savvy. These were the ones who you would say the enemies of finance. And they were the hardest enemies to defeat. The enemies of finance, the merchants, traders, they knew everything about business. Everybody depended upon the Canaanites, the enemies of finance, the debt, the finances, the overspending, the finances, the Rob Peter to pay Paul the, the I won't tithe because I, I, I got something to buy the, the Canaanites. I'm trying to preach to somebody in here. And they were the hardest to defeat. But then there were the Jebusites. Now get this about the Jebusites. They were the enemies 
who stood between God's people and their ultimate destiny, Jerusalem. The Jebusites, when we look at the text, they occupied and guarded the place that we now call Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epicenter of worship. This is where God's presence will ultimately be housed. So the Jebusites always occupied the place that we call Jerusalem because they knew if they can keep God's people from spending time in God's presence and keep God's people from worshiping God, they would serve their purpose. They occupied the town, the place where ultimately David would come and conquer. He had to conquer the Jebusites many books away because nobody could defeat the Jebusites because they didn't want, they knew something. Sometimes the enemy knows more about you than you know about yourself. Sometimes the enemy knows more about your destiny and God's promise for you than you even know. And they know if these people get to Jerusalem, I promise you, they're going to erect a place where God will be housed, his presence will be housed, and and God will be worshiping and we'll really be in trouble. I need to keep God's people from worshiping God. But then verse 29, I'm going to bid you a, a farewell. This is what it says. It says, I would not drive them out from before you. In one year, I got to lay the foundation for this series. I would not drive these enemies out from among you. Not in one year. I I don't want to do that. That's not wise. That won't serve you best. If I remove everything you pray for in that one prayer. He says in verse 30, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased. Now get this. It didn't say until... I increase you. Takes onus and responsibility and accountability off of you. It didn't say until I increase you. It said until you have increased. Because there's some things in your life that God will not do for you because he's already given you the gift and the ability to do for yourself. The Bible says until I, until you have increased. And when you increase, then you'll be able to receive your blessing. I was looking at that word increase. I'm saying, what, what does increase mean? And of course, of course, when, when we're looking at the text, it was talking about increasing in numbers. But the principle of growth still applies. Looking at the text, and I'm looking at increase. I'm saying, okay, what does the word increase mean in this context? And I was looking, and it comes from this, this Hebrew word para. And it means until you have bore the burden of becoming fruitful. One word. One word means one sentence. Until you have increased, until you have bore the burden of becoming, everybody say becoming. Until you have bore the burden of becoming fruitful. Until you have bore the burden of becoming fruitful, you won't be able to enjoy the blessings that I have for you. Because God was saying, who you are right now can't carry the weight of the blessing that I have for you. I need you to increase yourself. Because there's some blessings that I have for you, some things, you've, they're really weighty. I know you prayed them out in one prayer or two prayers or you've been praying them, but they have so much weight to them that you can't handle it currently who you are. I need you to become, yes, not just do. Yes. 
Who do you need to become to receive what God has for you? It's not about just doing, it's about becoming. Who do you need to become? The Bible says in this word, increase, 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 bearing the burden of becoming fruitful. Burden. It's painful to increase. I'll talk to some people who know what it's like to grow. It's painful to increase. You got to make decisions that you don't necessarily feel comfortable with making. You got to let some people go to just increase. You got to build alliances with people to increase. Why? Because you can't increase by yourself. It's painful to to learn about yourself some personality traits that are not too great. And to have to address your blind spots. It's been a blind spot for so long, you don't know what to do with yourself. But in order to increase, it can sometimes feel like a burden. But I need you in 2019, I need you to focus on increasing yourself. Because there's some things that God has for you. I don't mean to be cliche. But the reason why you hadn't been able to embrace it last year, the year before, and the year before that is because you're still the same person you were when you prayed the prayer three or four or five years ago. Your devotional life hadn't increased. Now you still pray for, for you, still, you still read your Bible for maybe 20 minutes on your way out the house. You still pray maybe 30 seconds. Or I, I worship God, I pray. You, still, you were doing that five years ago. You were doing that six years ago and you wonder why nothing has changed in your life because you had an increase in the area that you need to increase. See, we don't want to increase, but we want God to give us more. Lord, give me more territory. No, I don't want any more territory. I'm good on that. Help me to be a good steward of the territory that I already have. Who do you need to become to enjoy that relationship that you have or that you're praying about? I'll I'll just keep on, I'll keep on. Here's the thing. When we're looking at this text, God gives the Israelites the instruction on increasing before he gave them the land. All right. So he wants them to increase and better themselves, invest in themselves before he gives them the blessing. Everybody with me? You get get it? He says, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm letting you know that the land is already yours. It hadn't been conquered. You hadn't even gotten to Canaan, but it's yours. But I need you to increase yourself before you get the blessing, because I know we have the tendency to get the blessing and then we want to increase. I got the person I've been praying for. Now I want to do all the work I need to do so that my insecurities won't be exposed in this relationship. Now you need to deal with your things right now. I ain't going to go any further with that. I don't want y'all to leave up out of here. He says before, not after. Because if you do not increase yourself, your blessings will ultimately feel like a curse. What are you saying? I was looking in the Bible and I was reading in Joshua chapter 24, round about verse 11, 12, and 13, and those same old enemies came up again, all of them by name, because now they're on the precipice of actually accomplishing and coming to the place that God had prophesied to them so many years before, generations before, and now they're in the season where he's, a lot, he's telling them that you're about to come face to face with these enemies. I've given them all to you. But beyond that, let's go a little further. I was reading in Judges chapter 1, and look what it says. Because when 
You get your blessing before you increase. Your blessing will end up feeling like a cursing. The Bible says, Judges chapter 1, verse 21, it says, But the Benjaminites, one of the tribes of Israel, did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived in Jerusalem among the Benjaminites to this day. Okay, I'll keep on reading. Verse 27. Manasseh, one of the tribes of Israel, who God was prophesying to, told him, I need you to increase before I give you this blessing. But if you don't increase and you get the blessing, I promise you that blessing will feel like a cursing. And the Bible says the Amorites, the giants, the ones who live in the mountain region, it pressed the tribe of Dan back into the hill country pressed them down so that they did not allow them to come down from the plains. The Amorites continued to live in Heresies, Aijalon, and in Shabim, but the, land, but the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. You keep reading all of Judges chapter 1, and maybe one or two of the people actually was responsible with the blessing that God gave them, but for the rest of us, when we don't want to increase and we just want to pray that God give us what we've been praying for, you'll find yourself being roommates with people you shouldn't have been roommates with. Because now they have to live their lives in a land with people that wasn't designed for them to live because they did not increase in the areas of their lives where they needed to focus on most. Now their blessing feels like a cursing. And now you're blaming the devil for something the devil didn't do. You just didn't increase yourself. And so now you have the blessing, but you don't know what to do with your blessing because you didn't, didn't increase. Because when we pray to God, God, give me more, there's always something that we need to develop in order to be able to receive whatever it is we're praying about. Every time you pray a prayer, I don't care how small, how big, whatever it is that you're asking from God. I know you're tired of me preaching already, but you need to know one thing. We're laying the foundation of this series. You need to know one thing. Whatever it is you're praying about, you always have to develop in some area in order to maximize the blessing and enjoy the blessing that God has given you, whatever you're praying about. It requires you to grow, increase in some area, but you have to determine where do you need to increase so that you will not mess up this marriage? Where do you need to increase so that you won't blame her or him for the marriage falling apart? Where do you need to increase for that promotion that you've been praying about? I'll keep on, I'll keep on talking. You're praying for a pay raise. More money when you haven't even addressed the fact that you have poor spending habits. Uh, I'm going to talk to you. I don't care if y'all like it or not. You're asking God for more money. For, for more money when you need to be enrolling in financial peace. And learning how to manage what you currently have. Because if God gives you more money and you never address your poor spending habits, more money will equal more debt. 
Lord, I'm praying for more, but I'm not developing in the areas that will require me to be responsible with the blessing that I'm asking you for. Lord, I need you. He says, you need to increase so that when I give you what you've been asking for, you'll be able to handle it. You've been praying for that promotion, a new job, but you still not have become a good steward of your time. You're still a poor time manager. You look up the day is, 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 is gone. You're upset with your job and with your boss. And the reason why you have a lack of peace may not be the people on your job. The reason why you're, you may have a lack of peace is because you are a poor time manager. You don't have time for nothing. You want the job. You want the promotion. But you still are not better with your time. You need to increase in the area of time managing, time management skills. That's the area where you might need to focus on because when you get up in the morning with all the responsibility you, you have, you spend more time on social media with that promotion, with the promotion. So you spend an hour, two hours on social media when you could just be praying or you could just be strategizing, you could just be planning. You get $168 each week. Now, how you spend that money determines whether or not you be in debt or you have surplus. I'm saying you get 168 hours in each week. How you spend that, what you spend that on, you won't get any more, you won't get any less. And we still ask, Lord, give me more. No, you don't need any more time. You just need to become a better time manager. Uh, you're like this one. You talk about time managing, everybody get quiet on you. You've been praying to God for that relationship, that marriage. But are you who you need to be to sustain it? Are you, not him, not her, that's your problem that you're always blaming everybody else. You've been praying to God, but are you who you need to be? I know the relationship seems like a curse. Because in that relationship, it feels like all your insecurities are exposed. You feel like you can't add anything. Y'all just always, it could be that there's areas of your life that you have not increased, although you've been praying for that boo, although you've been saying you've been single for so long. Yeah, you've been single for a long time. And in all of that time of being single, you still hadn't increased yourself. I'll keep on, I'll keep on. So this is the question. What area is your life currently demanding that you increase? What area is your life currently demanding that you increase? Because here's the thing. I read prayers. I look at social media. Lord, I need you to just add to my life. No, you can't increase every area at once. You can't win in every area at once. My question to you is what area of your life is your life currently demanding that you need to increase in this area? What is that catalytic area? What is that area that makes all the difference in your life right now? See, I'm, you, you're still trying to grow according to 2017. 
You're still trying to focus on areas that you didn't, that you missed in 2017. What is life requiring right now from you to grow? Where in your life do you need to grow? Is it professional, relational, personal? Is it spiritual, physical, emotional? Is it financial? Where in your life do you need to grow right now? You got to determine, you got to answer the question, where do you need to grow? And you need to answer the question, what factors are keeping you from growing in that area? What is your vice? We could talk about the vision all day, but if you don't acknowledge the vices, you'll never accomplish the vision. But what are the things that are keeping you? What is the thing that's keeping you from growing in that one area that you know you need to grow in in 2019? Because, see, we plan for the vision. We plan for the resolutions. We plan for the goals. But we don't plan for the vices. We don't plan for the obstacles. And so when the obstacles come as they will, and they change your day around, they change your week around, they change your month around, and you did not plan for them, then all of a sudden, no goals are being accomplished. But when you plan for the obstacles, when you plan for the vices, when they come, you're already prepared for them. So if you can conquer your obstacles, if you can conquer your vices, the vision will come to pass. I'm trying to preach to y'all today. Where do you need to grow in your life? That's where you need to focus. A bamboo tree. A bamboo tree. You can barely see it for three years, for four years, for five years. You can't see the bamboo tree. You, barely, you can barely see it. Barely visible. Four years, five years. And sometimes six years, barely can see it. But then all of a sudden, year five, year six, the bamboo tree explodes 90 feet into the sky in less than six weeks. You don't see the bamboo tree for four years, five years, day after day. You don't see. You don't see. The bamboo tree, it just looks mangly, nothing going on there. But then in a blink of an eye, less than six weeks, that tree has exploded 90 feet into the air. How? How is that possible? The tree knows that the goal isn't to grow high. The goal is to grow low. It's not just the outward appearance, but it's the inward development. Because for three years, four years, five years, and sometimes even six years, you don't see the bamboo tree. But what the bamboo tree is doing, it's focusing primarily on building an extensive root system. I'm preaching to somebody this. For four years, five years, 
it's growing, it's increasing. You can't see the increase because it's called preparation. And so it's building this extensive root system so that when it's time to be promoted, it can be promoted in less than 60, here's, here's the deal. Promotion happens quickly. Preparation is what takes time. Promotion happens quickly, overnight. And so when people look at you, they say, oh, you're just an overnight star. Oh, oh, Isaac, oh, man, how you been doing? I, I wanted to know. You. you see what you see right now, but you don't see the 20 years of toiling with the text. You don't see the, the trials and the tribulations. See, promotion happens quickly, but the preparation is where we get ourselves messed up. Nobody wants to prepare. Nobody wants to work on improving themselves. You want the blessing of promotion, but you don't want the toil of preparation. And God is letting you know this year right now because it's come out of my mouth. I got to wipe my hands clean. If you want to increase, if you want the blessing that God has for you in this year, you need to go ahead and invest in yourself. It's going to cost some money. It's going to cost some time. It's going to cost some friends. It's going to cost some people turning their backs on you. But you want what you want so bad it doesn't matter who you have to sacrifice. Not for your career, not for money, not for popularity, for God's destiny for you. Because if you're working on accomplishing your destiny, you're not going to lose the right people. You're going to always lose the wrong people. Y'all will get that when you get home. Lord, we bless you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this text, God. We want your blessings for us. And, Lord, we want increase. Help us, God, to not just focus on the promotion, but help us to become preoccupied with the preparation. Lord, we bless you this day. We love you, God, because, God, we know that you have something for us. And, Lord, this is the year that we're going to move the, the, the goals aside, but we're going to focus on the things that keeps us from our goals. We're going to acknowledge and speak about our vices, and we're going to prepare for them because, God, we know that if we prepare for our vices, the vision will come to pass. God, bless us to do what you have called us to do. Help us, God, to increase ourselves according to your will so that we'll be prepared for the person that you have for us, for the marriage that we have, for the children that may come. God, for the vision, the things that you already have in store for us. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.